Never before have product teams been forced to absorb the pain points of their users firsthand like they are today. As companies deploy distributed workforces around the globe, the teams that are tasked with developing and implementing new products are now often utilizing the same products the way their customers are. Everybody talks about digital transformation, but the COVID-19 situation rapidly accelerated and expanded that. And so you now have businesses like a fitness center or restaurant that have gone like completely digital. All their classes are via Zoom and they're doing contactless delivery and ordering. And these businesses that maybe never thought of the term digital transformation are now completely digital. And the team that I work with every day is helping enable that, whether it's by deploying Wi-Fi platforms or making sure that the broadband network has the right type of bandwidth products. And so it's a really great position to be in to be able to help people get through all this. That's the voice of Christian Nascimento, the vice president of product management and strategy for Comcast Business. Christian joined IT Visionaries to discuss how Comcast was able to adjust its infrastructure to account for the mass influx of employees working from home. And he gives some insights into the products they've developed during the COVID-19 pandemic to ease the employee experience. Plus, he lets us know why the silver lining to times like these is the ability to gather high-value feedback. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at Mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. This podcast is created by the team at Mission.org. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of IT Visionaries. Today, joining us on the show is Christian Nascimento. He is the Vice President of Product at Comcast Business. Christian, welcome to the show. Albert, thanks for having me. So Comcast is a huge company. I mean, it's, it's monstrous. It does everything from actual cable to entertainment production. Where exactly does your role sit inside the Comcast organization? Yeah, Comcast is just a great global company. We have a couple divisions. Our Sky division handles communications and entertainment over in Europe. NBC Universal obviously does tons of entertainment, both in movie theaters and, and on cable channels and in theme parks. And then I'm part of Comcast Business, which is a business unit within Comcast Cable. And Comcast Cable provides connectivity and communications and entertainment services to millions of customers in the continental United States. Comcast Business is the business unit within cable that provides those services to businesses of all sizes, from the small mom and pop hair salon down the street to the Fortune 1000 distributed enterprise. Let's dive right into it because one of the things that you have to have seen is the huge change in the way we work. Obviously, the pandemic has affected everybody, especially small business. And while we've seen articles that SMBs are starting to bounce back, we know that they aren't back to the levels prior to pandemic. We know that there's increasing demands on the existing internet infrastructure, especially as more workers go remote. And what makes the shift more interesting is that it's not just that people are working from home. They're straight up moving. Workers are leaving towns, states, possibly countries. What does that mean for you and for your team in regards to developing the products and services that the new businesses need? Yeah, Albert, it's a great point, right? The, the distributed workforce now means that you don't have to sit in an office all day to do your job. You can do it really from anywhere. To your point, people are moving 
out of cities, they're moving into different states, they're moving really where they want to live. And what we found is that because of technology, really uh, cloud-based applications, as well as um, the internet connectivity and the ubiquity of the internet connectivity, and particularly gigabit speeds like we offer at Comcast, it's really become easy for people to work at a job, particularly knowledge workers from anywhere. And so some of the trends that we've seen are are just that businesses, because of the pandemic, sending workers home to work, and then employees, you know, actually in a lot of cases, starting to enjoy that, starting to enjoy the flexibility they have from working in a different location or from their home. And so we've seen people adopt a lot of technology and a lot of activities that have helped enable that in a, in a great way. So for yourself, what are you seeing? Like, how has that fundamentally changed in the infrastructure demands inside of Comcast? Did you guys have to scramble to support this? Like, what was, were alarms going off? What was happening inside the organization as work proliferation started to happen, right? It was no longer all the bandwidth was running one line into a giant corporate infrastructure building. It was now being distributed. What were you seeing that in the on the demand side, the stresses, I guess, on the system that you had to solve? Yeah, I think the first point that I would make is that, you know, we built our network for just this type of, of situation, just the type of situation where you see big peaks and big swings in, in usage and peak time. So we felt really comfortable that the network was built in a way that we would be able to handle this. And I think that the results have kind of bared that out. They've shown that people have been able to connect to the internet, people have been able to e-work and e-learn and do a number of different things online and, and the network is held. So I'm incredibly proud of, of our team and, and the efforts that they put in into the network, not just during the pandemic, but you know, in the months and years leading up to that. But we, we did see changes, right? We absolutely saw changes in, in peak usage time. Uh, we saw more usage, obviously, because it wasn't just, it wasn't just people working and shifting where they were working. Right? You're no longer working in an in a office building, but you're working at home. But you know, because of the pandemic, you also saw students shifting. Then they weren't, they weren't in a classroom anymore. They were at home and they were using Zoom or other platforms to do e-learning. And so that's an increase in, in bandwidth usage because those kids were probably not using the internet to, to learn. They were in a classroom and they were learning in a, in a much more traditional way. And so you not only see... Um, changes of peak times because people are at home now and, and they're using internet in different places, but you actually have more internet usage because of, of things like e-learning. And so it's, uh, it, it was an adjustment. Like I said, our network was built for spikes like this. So I think it performed really well and, um, and, and we adapted to it. So let me ask you a question, uh, more of a personal question, I guess. Do you have kids that are at home with you right now? I do. I actually have four kids. Okay. So I'm behind you. I got three, but... <laughs> So one of the things I noticed, you know, right out the gate, because like he said, all three of my kids are now e-learning. It used to be when I used to work for my computer, it was not a problem. But now we have, they're streaming, right? Some type of video service. My wife, she might be doing accounting work. She has to tap into her enterprise VPN Mm -hmm. because she's got to route and connect to, you know, a big four accounting firm. And then I'm using just, let's say, public internet to use some of the public services. But all these devices are going across. And what are you seeing, I guess, the big question I have is she talks about it more so than me. So when I have the public internet, I feel like I'm okay. But she says specifically, like VPN routings are getting really bogged down because now so many people are tapping into them from remote locations. Are you in charge of that? Because I saw that on the Comcast business side that a partnership with Aruba VPN had recently started up. I was wondering how virtual private networks are being impacted. And also, do you see a future where are 
are companies going to rely less on them? Are they going to be more reliant on the public web? Yeah, I think you have a couple things to unpack there, right? Um, you know, we have seven kids between us, right? And so <laughs> us working at home and our wives working at home and our kids e-learning, you know, you think about the, the network at a macro level, at the very micro level, you know, it's what's happening in, in your node and in, in your area. And so there's a lot more activity on, in that local node and even on the modem in your home. And so one of the things... One of the things that we did at Comcast Business this past summer is we introduced a product set that we called Comcast Business at Home. And the reason for that is that we were hearing from our customers and we were hearing from folks like, like you and I that you know, there was a lot of traffic in the home and there was a lot of traffic that wasn't there before. And so you know, no matter how great the network is, if you have a multiple amount of individuals in the home and they're streaming and they're using a lot of, um, a lot of online tools, there's going to be you know, taxing that modem. And so what we've done with Comcast Business at Home is we've introduced the idea of a second modem into the home, second line into the, into the house, which can be paid for by the employer. So the idea would be your employer has sent you home either temporarily or on a permanent basis. And so they can then, instead of relying on your home internet and relying on, relying on the ability that you have to manage that and manage your family's connections to that, they can purchase a, a modem for your home. And it's almost like extending you know, the corporate network by putting additional internet infrastructure into the employee's home. That, what that does is that allows you, know, our, you or myself to connect our devices to that corporate modem. And that then keeps our traffic on a separate internet line than what the kids are doing with Zoom and gaming and e-learning and everything. That, you know, I think, is one thing that we've done to help some of the, the traffic and congestion and also give the employer the ability to have a little, just a little bit more say and more input. So one of the things in your story that you just explained to me is that it sounds like you at Comcast or your business division, you guys are moving fast. You were moving fast to implement possibly new technology, new hardware for customers very quickly because, you know, and hopefully you don't get mad at me. A lot of times when people think of their cable company, they don't think of them as an agile, fast company. You know what I mean? Like they don't think of it as, <laughs> as, as changing very fast, but it sounds like you guys actually were. Yeah. I think, you know, we are pretty agile and we have been moving fast. And I think, you know, maybe a lot of people have kind of a antiquated notion of what a cable company is, but if you think about the technological advances that we've done with, you know, like I said, I think I mentioned the gigabit speed network. You know, it's our, our DOCSIS network that provides gigabit speeds to the home and to small businesses and large businesses, our X1 platform. I think the, the company in general has really become a technology company. And we have, we have been very agile over the past few years, and we're trying to be especially agile as we, as we meet this moment in the, in the COVID era. Now, the other thing that you're in charge of, and I think I find really interesting, is it sounds like on the cable provider side, you guys are trying to bundle more digital services all the time. Let's start with the X1. For our listeners who don't know, what is the X1? Yeah, so X1 is our, our video platform that we deliver into millions of homes. And that just gives a great next generation video experience. It includes our voice remote. So it makes it easier for someone that, that wants to find their favorite show to find it using their voice. Because voice has really kind of become the gateway to everything these days. You know, whether it's a smartphone or Alexa or our X1 remote, people want to use their voice to control and to, and to search and to find. And then it's just really flexible and dynamic. And it's built in a way that it gives 
us the ability to deploy apps on that platform. And so we can not only provide entertainment content and TV content, linear TV, like we, like we had in the past and provide it with a better guide and better experience, but we can also deploy applications, internet applications on that platform as well. And so you can start to use the television screen as the biggest screen in a living room or in an office building and do different things with that. So I want to ask you about what it takes to be so competitive in that space. Because when I think about entertainment at home, right? We have multiple app providers, there's gaming providers, and here we have, you know, Comcast itself is entering into that space. So if I'm at home, I have tons of services I can choose from. So you guys are obviously competing very head to head right against those companies as well. When it comes to recruiting and earning talent, you know, again, I just want to understand a little bit since you, what I'm trying to debunk here is that Comcast, you know, a lot of things, I think people have a premonition that working for a cable company is boring, but you guys are shipping new products and services all the time as well. And I want you to kind of explain to us what it takes to like, from your perspective of recruiting smart individuals to help you guys build these future forward thinking entertainment services. Because we mentioned before, like the Netflixes and Google, they might have a little bit more sex appeal in their name, but your guys are competing in the same game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're building apps um, for our products. We're deploying third-party apps on our platforms. And to your point, we have both on the residential side and on the commercial side where, where I'm focused, you know, we have just deployed a, a great amount of products over the past few, few years. And you know, some of the products that I have in our portfolio in, in Comcast Business, you know, Wi-Fi platforms that provide analytics. So it's not just connectivity, but it's also the ability to tell how many customers have come into, uh, into your store and to show kind of what the repeat visits look like video surveillance products that are cloud-based and they are constantly streaming video from the camera up to the cloud so that you can access that video from a smart device wherever you are. So think about a small business owner that wants to go away on vacation. They can check in uh, on their business on a periodic basis every hour or, or constantly if they wanted, and they can feel comfortable knowing what's happening in their business while they're away. So you know, we have really leaned in a lot of digital-first activities taking advantage of, of this just great network that we have. And the more bandwidth we're able to provide to businesses, the more digital experiences and digital products we're able to layer on top of that. It's really, it's really a game changer for, for our customers. So I want to hit into a little bit about now your, a little bit of your background, because here you are sitting on this big portfolio of products and services. Where would you say your, ex, your domain expertise is today? Would you consider yourself you're more of a product person? Are you more of person who knows how to code and like implement technologies that are going to help deliver these services. I'm curious on your expertise levels, where you feel the most comfortable in and how you leverage that information and knowledge to make these decisions as, you, as your team starts developing more products and services, like you said. Yeah, I'm definitely not a coder. I don't think that you would want to uh, look at any code <laughs> that I went and did. Um, I actually, you know, funny enough, got my start in finance and was a finance professional for a number of years. And Ended up at a uh, technology startup as the VP of finance there. When that didn't work out, like those things often don't, I ended up at Comcast. And that's how I got involved in you know, first consumer and then commercial technology. And so like at my heart, I, I, I look at myself as a product person. And what I try and do is lead the team 
to make really great decisions that are customer facing and customer impacting on the types of products that we bring to market every day and then how we make those products better for our customer base. I'm curious if you could share some of like your product philosophies so that we can, as an audience, understand what goes into the decisions behind, you know, do we make this? How do we evolve it? You know, how do, when do we ship it? Just want to understand a little what you're, what you're really focused on when it comes to developing products. Yeah, I think it really starts, and it's a great question, right? It's something that a product person wrestles with all the time. It's really about focusing on what the customer needs are and how do we go and, and how do we effectuate that change that's going to help that consumer with whatever they need, right? So it's really thinking about what's going to have the most impact on the most customers. How do we bring that to market in a way that's going to be easy for them to understand? And getting back a little bit to all the work from home activities, they have been really great and they've been enabled because of all the technology that's out there. And so the technology has to be really easy to understand, easy to take action on. And I think that you know, kind of my product philosophy is, you know, let's make sure that we aren't churning out features that, that people aren't using, but that we think are cool. But let's really take the time to understand what's going to be impactful. You know, if, you, if you're going to layer a new feature on or, or launch a new product, you, know, you want to make sure that it's going to be something that meets a need. And so understanding you know, the space, understanding you know, the, the segment, understanding the needs that are out there, and how can we bring a solution to fill that need in a way that's going to be not only beneficial to, to our customer base, but, but something that we can do that maybe nobody else can, or something that we can do better than anybody else. All right. So how, how do your systems of feedback begin? This is, this is fascinating to me because admittedly, when I have used big company services before, and you take those surveys and they ask you for feedback. Sometimes, you know, I just, I just don't leave any. I, I just move on. Sometimes I do leave feedback. Is that part, is that information gathered and is part of your decision tree? I'm curious how you're as a team collecting feedback because you also mentioned, obviously, a business the size of Comcast, the amount of feedback or customers you have is, is quite large. So <laughs> yeah. how does the, you know, understanding that information, how do you prioritize how are you able to do this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a massive organization and we've got just millions and millions of customers you know, on both the residential and commercial side. And so it's taking all that, that feedback and kind of extrapolating out what the important things are. I mean, what I, what I try and do with my team is make sure that we're, thinking, we're taking feedback even before we've kind of put pen to paper on a feature. Right? So what we've done in the past and what we try and do as much as we can. Now, granted, it's been hard during COVID, but we try and get out there and really touch and understand the customer. And so uh, great examples, when we launched Comcast Business Smart Office, which is our video surveillance product, you know, a colleague and I walked up and down the street in Philadelphia and went into small businesses to understand what their needs were and just asked a couple of questions. And that actually, that effort helped us evolve our thinking in, in going in a different direction than we had initially thought. And so it's really about understanding, like I said before, understanding the space and the segment, but then validating that and making sure that you don't fall into the trap of you know, doing something that you believe is right without, without validating that. And so sometimes it's just grinding through feedbacks to get on NPS results or doing callbacks to customers or, or just actually getting out and walking around and talking to small business owners because you know, they love what they do and they'll talk to you about their business and what their needs are. And, and sometimes it's just as, as simple as going off and, and listening to them. No, that's fantastic. I love hearing the stories of actually boots on the street, talking to customers, 
I think it's always said, but I never realized that even a business of Comcast to scale, that that was still one of the strategies for collecting this feedback. So good on you for getting that close to the customer. Yeah, I think it's a great strategy. And, and no matter what size your company is, just to get out there, because you, you end up in these metaphorical ivory towers where you have an idea and you think it's the greatest thing ever. And all of a sudden you start to drive resources to building that. And then, you know, only to find out later that it missed the mark in, in some way, either big or small. And so, you know, I, I'm a huge proponent of getting out and talking to customers, you know, whatever those customers look like. And then, you know, the, the other thing is that, you know, at a company like Comcast, we have a, a large network of frontline employees, people that are going out and installing products, people that are sitting in call centers and taking support calls, you know, salespeople that are going out and talking to customers every day about their needs. And it's talking to them as well, because that frontline feedback that you get from somebody that's actually got to deal with the product that you've built or the product you've deployed can really be valuable. No, that's amazing. It reminds me of a story from one of the past customers I had in the past. It was Home Depot. And they talked about their survey team was actually really wise to this. They're like, the problem with surveys is that only people who like to fill out surveys fills out, fill out surveys. And so you actually have no clue <laughs> what your actual customers think. And if you bribe them, then they only give you nice feedback or they because they think that the nicer feedback will get them, let's say, a $500 gift card or something like that. And so they were talking about how like the true feedback was always in the field. So they would ask field associates to like collect feedback and try to get it anecdotally. And it was always a challenge. So it, you know, how do you guys collect it, I guess? Because you mentioned some of your field techs who are in the field installing, let's say, services at a house. Do you make it easy for them to report it back? Did you build a proprietary solution? Or do you guys rely on something else to collect that feedback? You know, we have systems in place that our techs, for example, can can put comments in. You know, our sales folks you know, use something as simple as salesforce.com, right? Where they kind of put notes in. You can go in and run reports on that. Um, for some of our call center folks, we have, you know, voice recognition software that you can grab words out and just start to hear patterns. And I, I've been a big proponent too of not just going out and walking around talking to customers, but you know, go do a focus group, grab a pizza and talk to a couple of sales guys or uh, a couple support agents or a couple of technicians. Again, just once you get them talking to your point, Albert, right. We don't want just the good feedback. We want like the unvarnished, the good, the bad, and the ugly, <laughs> just taking the time to listen and understanding what they're hearing and what they're seeing. So, this is all amazing information. And this means throughout your career, you've had to make, let's say, product decisions based on feedback. If you look back on your career, what do you think were some of your big bets that you made in product that ultimately got you the trust to be the VP of the product division? Can you look back in your career and be like, man, when we implemented this, this was like, this was the best call I made. And this is what got me noticed. Yeah. I don't know if I could point to one thing. Um, Right. I think what I tried to do is, is just be really practical about things so that there wasn't a lot of hyperbole. So people, you know, kind of believed what I said. And, and it wasn't necessarily, you know, I was just selling a business case, but I was talking about, you know, facts and things that we had learned. And even if it was anecdotal, you know, there was enough conversations. So really, I, you know, I, what I've tried to do is if I tried to put a name on the brand, it would be just, you know, practical, right? Like rational, just, understanding what's out there and, and not just trying to push a specific agenda, but really just, again, drive to the needs of the customer. So as a product person, I'm also assuming you are judgmental or you judge other products that you use. Is that a fair statement? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> what are some products that you've been putting in your hands recently that you're like, wow, these guys or these gals really know what they're up to? Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of a cliche, but I mean, I think Apple does, does a great job, right? Um, 
you know, I think that the the ecosystem that they've built and and the the, the suite of products between you know, I, I get emails on my Mac, my iPad, my iPhone, and my Apple Watch, um, and it's all kind of connected. So I think they do a really a really great job. How about any new emerging technologies or tools that you've used where you think, wow, these these people are very forward thinking product. This is going to be something that, that's big. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a a lot of the collaboration tools like we're using Zoom right now, right? And I think that yep. a lot of those those collaboration tools have um, have really kind of met the moment, right? Whether it's Teams or Zoom or or any other platforms, I think they're continuing to um, iterate and try and I think they understand the moment that they're in and they're trying to to meet that, right? I think teams with together view and some things that they've done, I think they've recognized that, you know, in this crazy pandemic era, um, people are starting to feel like they're isolated. And so if you can do something as part of a online collaboration tool to make people feel a little bit more together, that's probably helpful for everyone's mental health. And so I think folks like that, that are really just trying to, to meet this, this really critical need as this, as the planet deals with this, this crazy issue. You're now the second uh, product person to now talk about this, about like bringing, let's say, more joy into products. Uh, we just earlier in another episode talked with uh, the CTO of Slack and he was like, they're constantly thinking about making it more fun to use the product because they just kind of hit on what you said, the isolation feeling across their users. They want to make sure that when they use their products, the products don't become this... Uh, Almost like a source of pain, right? They don't want it to be a source of pain. They want it to be a source of joy. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all in this different world now. And, you know, we did a SMB, you know, COVID-19 preparedness survey. And we found that like a massive amount of SMB owners were you know, having mental health struggles. They were like losing an hour of sleep each day. And I think that that's, that's not just in the SMB space, but that kind of cuts across all of us. Like, I think everybody is just a little bit unnerved and, and unsure of where everything's going. And we're now operating differently. We're in front of a screen, you know, maybe all day. And so if we can bring a little bit of joy into that, and you can make that experience a little bit more like being at the water cooler or even bring a little bit of something that'll make somebody smile while they're, while they're working, you know, I think it's just better for everybody. How would you say you're personally attacking that at your team? How many people, I guess, are on your team that, you, that directly report to you? I have six direct reports. And then I think the, the, the team overall is about 22 or 23 folks. And so I think we address it in a couple of ways, right? One, it's just about making sure that the, the entire team feels connected. And so we use tools like Teams so we can, we can get everyone together and collaborate and even you know, use it for a fun event like a virtual happy hour or whatnot. So it's really just about making sure that we keep, keep the team connected and motivated and then making sure that they understand like, how important the work that they're doing is. And when you're providing you know, broadband internet connection to a small business, you're providing the lifeblood of that business, especially today. And you know, everybody talks about digital transformation, but the COVID-19 situation rapidly accelerated and expanded that. And so you now have businesses like a um, fitness center or a restaurant that have gone like completely digital, right? All their classes are, are via Zoom and they're doing contactless delivery and ordering and payments. And so, you know, these businesses that maybe never thought of the term digital transformation are now completely digital. And the team that I work with every day is, is helping enable that, whether it's by deploying Wi-Fi platforms or, or making sure that the, uh, the, the broadband network has, you know, the right type of bandwidth products. And so it's a really great position to be in to be able to help people get through all this. 
And so it's just remembering, it's just remembering to remind folks that the work that we're doing is really important and these products actually matter for people's livelihood and, and helps them with their dreams. I mean, it is an interesting place to sit in as a as a product person now, because you are literally solving for or experiencing the pain that you're trying to solve for, right? Right. You're actually living what you solve for, which is if you have a distributed workforce, uh, your team, they're trying to figure out how to make the products more joyful and useful. You're trying to make connectivity better, services, digital services better. It's definitely a different seat. When you see what your team is coming up with, I mean, you don't have to share too far in the future, but I'm always curious, are you starting to see what people are experiencing today impact in a positive way someone like i guess the features and roadmap that you're that you're going to ship going forward yeah i think i think absolutely i think that you know a lot of the team is really focused on how do we enable a remote distributed workforce and so to your point albert right we're all living that and so you've got folks got product managers that are working on what do we need to enable to make sure that people can stay connected and do their job from anywhere while they're literally trying to stay connected and do their job <laughs> from anywhere? And so it's really kind of a great use case on how to kind of make sure that you're really living the product that you're trying to develop and trying to deploy. So I, I have an interesting product or service I'm going to give you as a feature uh, recommendation. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I feel like I need replays. Tell me more. So. One of the scariest things is when I come to sit down at my workstation and I get, let's say, a million asynchronous <laughs> notifications, right? Like you got your emails loaded up, everything's ridiculously loaded up. And so some people will say, okay, I want to reread everything and make sure I understand what's going on. Some people say, I will ignore everything. If something's important, this will happen for me. But I, I feel like it would help be helpful for me if I knew in sequence across these applications, like how they came in. I don't know why. I just feel like if I knew it, it could relive that real time, I would understand more faster. You want to consolidate all of your notifications from all of your different applications and, and you want some intelligence in there that can sequence that and, and maybe tell you what's the most important. Yes. Cause if I could see like they were all concentrated around this like one hour and they're all like fun or whatever, the people just joking around, then I can maybe just delete it all. Like, I don't want to see it. Right. Or if I see heavy volumes at a specific time, then I'm like, oh man, I need to maybe change my work from home schedule because I can see like this is when this, this is when my phone goes crazy, or this is when my customers, if I especially when on the customer success front, I'll give you a more practical example. I feel like I would benefit from this. I'll go back to my friends at Home Depot because they talked about this. They talked about how they started noticing a different pattern of shoppers. And it changed and impacted their staffing, right? So they were busiest in the morning. So they thought they needed the more CSRs in the morning. But all the complaints came in the afternoon, even though there was less people. So it was like, why is that? And what they found out was in the mornings, it most often was like, let's say general contractors or contractors were coming to the store. So they didn't actually need help. These people actually were able to go exactly to where their products were. They were able to pick them off the shelf, grab them. They're out the door. They're done. And the afternoons or the afterwork crowd tended to be non-general contractors, guys like myself who don't know anything. You come into the store and you don't know where to find anything. And so based on that data, they were able to adjust their schedules for staffing. They're like, actually, we need more staffing, even though there's less people in the afternoons because people don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're looking for. And so I feel like since we are living in this asynchronous time where our schedule, right, my daily life with my kids is blended with work. I'm, we're doing these things concurrently, yeah. right? So I, my kids have a class, you know, they have a problem. 
my team has a problem. I don't, sometimes I'm jumping off email because I'm going to handle whatever my kids are doing. So I feel like if I had a better understanding of when things were happening, I could plan my schedule around it. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, no, I think that, yeah, it's a great point. I mean, it actually brings up, you know, the thought that if you think back a few years ago, and it wasn't that long ago, it feels like forever. I mean, things were very separate, right? Work and yes. were very separate. You had different devices. I mean, I can remember a time, I'm going to show my age here, but I can remember a time when people turned their cell phones off when they came to work. So they didn't get calls during, uh, during the day. And now, yeah. and now like it's all blended, right? And I think that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, BYOD, bring your own device is kind of like a foregone conclusion, right? That's kind of table stakes now. So it's really, you know, the pandemic has really kind of accelerated this blending of home and work. And I think that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw things like you mentioned, right? Because I think with, with artificial intelligence and machine learning, you can start to consolidate and collate all these different calendar events and notifications and start to pull it together into, into something that works, you know, for Albert's day, right? Not just, uh, not just Albert's work day or Albert's home day, but Albert's overall day. Because the other result of, the, of this work from home kind of experience that we're all going through is that the work days have gotten longer and not only yeah. working home blending together, but people are just naturally, you know, I think working more because they're home more. And so, you know, the days are much more flexible. So you can take a moment to help tie your kid's shoe during the day and send them off to, to camp and you work a little bit later at night. And so, um, so it's an interesting concept that you have. Cause I was thinking about this just as you were talking about where you're sitting and experience what bandwidth usage and exceeding as I was thinking about this morning is if my wife has to do something right now in the mornings, my life is actually much harder to operate from, let's say between eight and nine 30, which it was no problem before. Cause I would take my kids at school or she would take the kids to school. And then that's that. And I can focus on whatever I want to do. Now I got my five-year-old telling me she can't, you know, log on my eight-year-old struggling with his homework or whatever, you know, they forgot their assignment, they're running around the house, they're interrupting. So it is interesting how you have more disturbances probably, especially if you have kids, right? There's just more disturbances throughout the day. Yeah, the day the day has definitely changed. The day's broken into like blocks of disturbances. It's broken into blocks. <laughs> you know, you will probably become a little bit of your school's IT support on a very micro uh, yep. level. You are. At least for your kids. And but you know the flip side is you don't have the commute, and so the day just naturally has changed. And I think the best employers are are recognizing that, and they're they're giving their employees leeway as we kind of navigate through all of this. But that's where it comes back to being really important to to have a remote work strategy, and then also have the right remote work tools so that you know an employee can can get their their work done and still attend to things they need to attend to. No, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, I would love someone to help me prioritize because I mean, I think I know you felt that pain as well when you come sit down at your desk and you just say, you just get hit with so many notifications. You're like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> it can be overwhelming. Right. And I think the, the trick is, you know, going back to finding the jewelry in some of these products, it's, you know, it's just, you know, as a product manager, as a product developer, really try and solve problems, right? Solve people's problems rather than just create new features. Absolutely. All right, Christian, we're heading to the end of the show, and this is where we use the lightning round. The lightning round is used to ask you some fast questions to get to know you better. Okay. All right. The lightning round is brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. All right, Christian, you ready? I'm ready. Let's start easy. 
What's your favorite aspect of working remotely now? Flexibility. Um, I drive my kids to school every day now, and I didn't do that before. So yeah, that's pretty cool. How about some favorite books or podcasts that you listen to? I listen to a bunch of podcasts. One thing that I try and do um, after the kids go to school and I have a few minutes of quiet is walk the dog and listen to some podcasts. So I'm I'm listening to um, a combination of news and uh, true crime. So um, some true crime ones I'll give you was was, um, Missing in Alaska was a really interesting one. And then there was one about a... um, a family, not to be gruesome, a family murder in Ohio that I just can't recall the name of. Um, and then I listened to the, um, the New York Times podcast and the Wall Street Journal podcast in the morning. There you go. It's okay to be in if you have, listen, true crime stories. Listen, I'm a fan too. You know, you feel bad, but the, it's just too interesting. It's great in a morbid way. By the way, have you ever read uh, Killing Pablo? It's not a true crime story, but it's about a criminal. Have you ever read Killing Pablo by uh, Mark Bowden? I have not, no. It's about the life of Pablo Escobar. It is unbelievably fascinating. I recommend it. By the way, he was not a nice guy. So. Yeah, no. But I- <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want any types of read, reading any types of that kind of stuff, I highly recommend that. How about your hobbies? What do you like to do outside of work? Yeah, so I'm um, pretty involved with, um, with the kids, particularly other sports. So it was coaching at one point. Now it's a lot of driving back and forth. And then, you know, obviously I'm trying to get back to the community a little bit on some um, nonprofit boards and uh, board of trustees at a college around here. So I'm trying to get back a little bit as well. Gotcha. And what do you most miss about, let's say, pre-pandemic time? Yeah, I, I miss travel. That's a big one. I, I was a big, uh, big fan of travel. And yeah, I really do miss the, the kind of water cooler conversations, just being able to walk around the floor or walk throughout the, the campus and, and run into folks and catch up. So that personal uh, connection is probably the thing I miss the most. Yeah. Have you noticed that there's a like decline in spark ideas? I feel like water cooler talk always creates spark ideas where people rush back and like, hey, oh, I want to I want to jot this down because I want to work on it. Yeah. I think one of the things we try and do um, just because we're a product team is to collaborate online and using collaboration tools. And so you know, we try and do some of that. It, it is more challenging. But for me, like what I try and do is like I have a notepad here. And if I come up with an idea, I try and jot it down and then pull folks together. I think another big thing that I miss from pre-pandemic days is being able to like just be in someone's office and like sketch something out. I'm not an artist by any means, but like to write something out or have someone write something out for me to understand what they're saying was a big one because I think that's a way to, to really drive some innovation. All right. You and me are the same. I'm a whiteboard writer myself. I like, I like doing exactly what you just described. Yeah. It's, you can't beat it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Christian, I want to thank you for joining us today on today's episode of IT Visionaries. Do you have any last words of advice for any future VPs of product? Albert, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed being on. I, I, like I said, I think the biggest advice I can give is make sure that you're you're thinking about the needs of the customer and, and thinking about the customer first or the end user first. And I think that's, that's really a, a great path to success for any product person. There you go. Nobody knows anything. Focus on the customer, solve the customer's problem. That's the best bet. Too many times, I guess the product graveyards littered with people that said, <laughs> everyone's going to love this thing, right? That's right. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for joining us. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform.